Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. I am thankful to be here, and I appreciate Brother Corey asking me to uh, to share a message and to preach uh, for you all today. It's a big honor. I really mean that. Uh, no matter what my stomach and heart tell me, as fast as it wants to pump, right? But uh, when we were moving over to Somerset a few years ago, if you know, have all recently been through a moving process, it's, a, it's an ordeal, going through closets and shelves and things that piled up and boxing things up. And I was in the bedroom closet one day, and I found a shoebox up in the corner that I had never noticed before. So I got it, opened it up, and found some very unique items inside. There was an egg carton, with five eggs in it, and a stack of $1 bills, big stack. So I just started counting through that money real quick, and I thought, well, that's, over, that's almost $500 in ones. I didn't have any idea what this box was, never seen it before. I said, Suzanne, come here. You know anything about this box? And she said, yeah, yeah, I started that when we first got married. I said, well, what is it? And she said, well, every time that you preached a bad sermon, <laughs> I put an egg in that egg carton. And I'll be honest with you, we'd, now we've been, at that time, we'd been married at well over 20 years, and I'd been in the ministry about that long, and I thought, five sermons ain't that bad. And I said, well, what's all this money for? And she said, well, every time I got a dozen, I sold them for a dollar. So if this sermon isn't very good, you're talking to God that's got a lot of practice. <laughs> if you have a Bible, turn it to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're continuing this sermon series on the seven signs, seven miracles that Jesus performed. And today we're going to talk about when Jesus fed the 5,000. Uh, I'll probably say that a lot, the 5,000. It was probably more people than that because it was just the men that said it was 5,000 or so men could have been a lot of women and children there too. Could have been 10,000 or more people there when he did this. And uh, just to remind you of why John wrote this. Why is he telling us these seven signs? In John chapter 20, he tells us the purpose of his gospel. He says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in His name. The seven signs that Jesus performed, these, these miracles that we are uh, reading about and, and Brother Corey's been preaching about, these are, are miracles that really happened, but these are signs that have a much deeper spiritual message than just the miracle themselves. If all you see in these seven signs are Seven things that just make you say, wow, look at what Jesus did without making you see Jesus as the Messiah and causing you to believe, put your faith in Him, then you're missing really the main point of the whole of the sign. These are spiritual signs that the Lord Jesus Christ did. Let's read. I'll read uh, John chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. It says this, 
After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, Truly, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew himself to the mountain by himself. I want to talk this morning about Jesus being the bread of life. And I want to try to, if I can, and I want to go a little bit further in John chapter 6, so I encourage you to keep your Bibles open, because Jesus gives us the miracle here at the beginning part of the, of the passage, and then at the end of John chapter 6, He gives us the spiritual lesson. He's going to tell us what this means. And what I want to try to do is to try to show you that not just the physical, but the spiritual that I believe that we can see in this miracle, we can see a beautiful picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very simple message. Very, the gospel is very simple. But that in this, we can see how this crowd and how the disciples and this little boy, and then finally we see the Lord Jesus Christ do something that only He can do. Only Jesus can take five barley loaves, two fish, break it, bless it, distribute and feed that number of people and then take up 12 baskets of fragments that were left, scraps that were there. Only Jesus can do that. So the first thing that we see in this, in this passage is we see this, this, this huge crowd who I'm going to refer to as the perishing world. That they represent not just 5,000 people or 10,000 people, but they show us a world that is very hungry spiritually. Now, these people here, they were hungry physically. This is one of, the only, one, of the, one of the one or two miracles that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And we find in some other passages in, in Matthew's account that this miracle happened late in the day. That the people were probably tired. They were a little hungry. Some of them were a little aggravated, <laughs> a little hangry. They were, they were wanting something to eat and they were getting aggravated. You know, food insecurity at this time in Bible times was a real thing. You know, where are they going to get their next meal? That's why at the end of this, when Jesus does this miracle, that there were so many people thinking, boy, let's make him a king. A person that can do this, he, he can really get a strong following, right? So we see that these people had a real desire. They had a real hunger. 
you know, food insecurity is still something that we battle with that our world still sees today. According to the USDA, even before the pandemic hit, there were some 13.7 million households or 10.5% of all U.S. households experienced some type of food insecurity at some point during the year 2019. That works out to more than 35 million Americans who were either unable to acquire enough food to meet their needs or uncertain of where their next meal might come from. So food insecurity, that's, that's you know, we're, anybody here ever really been hungry? I don't know about you, but my problem is I usually eat when I'm not hungry. We have, we, many of us are so blessed that we have so much that we, we just open the refrigerator, open the cabinet, and we, we've got food there. But here were 5,000 plus people who were hungry. They had nothing to eat. They didn't know where their next meal maybe was going to come from. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible is very clear that it tells us that without Christ, we are perishing. We are just like this, this crowd, this big multitude of people that are here, there at, at Jesus at this miracle, listening to Him teach. And Without Christ, we are perishing. Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Without Christ... We are perishing. We're hungry. I mentioned the fact of how many people in America in 2019 were, were hungry or had some type of food insecurity throughout that year. The fact is, the, the, the number of people who are spiritually hungry in America far outnumbers that number. Lots of people spiritually starving, perishing, hungry, without any hope whatsoever because they do not have the bread of life. They do not have the Lord Jesus Christ. They're hungry. So we see the perishing world here. Not only do we see the perishing world, I'll tell you something else that we see in this sign. We see the powerless disciples. Look again at verses 5 and 6. Jesus asked them a question. He looked up noticed the crowd. And he said, where are we going to buy bread so all these people can eat? Let's look at some of the solutions that they came up with here, these, these disciples. In, uh, again, in Matthew's Gospel, it's not recorded here, but it, we, when we try to reconcile and see what was going on, the disciples first tell Jesus, well, let's just send the crowd away. Anybody here ever had a problem you tried to ignore it? I know none of you guys have ever had a messy garage. And you get out of your car every evening and getting home from work, or you're going out in the garage in the morning and you... You look over at that side of the garage. I know I have. I still have that problem. Brother Danny, you just moved. I'm not picking on you, but if you've been there, you know, you, you get, you think, oh, you just, you just won't even want to look at it. Just turn your head. Out of sight, out of mind. We won't pay any attention to it. We try to ignore the problem. That's what the disciples, at, at first, they tried to do. Let's just send them away. Let's not make it our problem. Let's just ignore uh, this situation. The second thing that they do is Philip, must have been a mathematician. He takes out his mechanical pencil in his notebook and starts doing some quick math. He covers it up and said, Lord, we got about 5,000 people. It's going to take about, oh my goodness, it's going to take 200 days' wages at least that they can have just a little bit to eat. 
Maybe we should have a fundraiser. Maybe if we sell enough cookies or donuts or something, we can figure out this problem. Third solution is that we see that Andrew finds this little boy who has a Jewish Happy Meal, and he brings it to Jesus, and he says, I know it's not much, but it's all I got. All we've got out of this bunch is we've found five little loaves of bread and two fish. And then the fourth solution is, give it to Jesus. The fourth solution is, give it to Him. We can ignore the problem. There's a lot of people today that spiritually kind of try to ignore the problem. They realize that they're lost without Christ. They, they know they're hungry and they just, they just put it off. They procrastinate, whatever that it takes, and just, just try not to think about it, try to ignore it, get rid of it cover it up, whatever that it takes. They just try to ignore the problem. That doesn't work. It didn't work here and it won't work spiritually either just to ignore the problem. The second thing that I said that they could do was that they could have a fundraiser. I, I want to tell you something. Money's not the problem either. Money's not going to, not, my money's not the solution either to the problem. Spiritually, you cannot purchase your salvation. You can't do it. You can't, there's not enough money you can give, not enough money you can earn. No matter how many zeros or commas or decimals, zeros are in front of that decimal, it doesn't matter. It's inadequate. It doesn't work. This little boy comes and Andrew brings him. He says, all we've got here is this little, he said, this is the best that I can do. This is it. I want to tell you something. There's not enough, I would just summarize this as inadequate human strength. He had enough for a little boy, but he sure didn't have enough to feed a multitude of people. There are so many people spiritually who think they can be good enough, righteous enough, do enough good deeds. I can compare myself to my neighbor. I'm better than he is or better than she is. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says very clearly that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I've always looked at that and think, you know what? The best that I can do, the best that I can present to God is filthy rags. The best. If you all had somebody, like a famous person coming over to your house for lunch today, you'd pull out the best rags, wouldn't you? I mean, you, wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't have one that was dirty. You'd want something clean. And to God, this is saying the best that we can do is dirty rags. It's inadequate. And they thought, this, this isn't going to work. And I want to tell you something. Trying to solve your spiritual hunger on your own will not work. It cannot work. It, you, there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that can satisfy the spiritual hunger of your heart, of your soul, other than the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing that you can do. And then, the final answer. This last answer. Jesus took a small lunch. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave to the disciples to feed the crowd. In John chapter 6, 
we find the first I am statement that Jesus makes when he makes the statement, I am the bread of life. And Jesus points out that there are two types of food. If you read through this passage of Scripture, He said, don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the, for the food, the bread that doesn't perish. He points out that there's two kinds of food. There's physical food, which is necessary, but not the most important. And then He points out that there is a, a spiritual food which is absolutely essential for life. Folks, there is not any hope of any spiritual life apart from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only source of life. If you go down in John chapter 6, verse 30, as we continue, Jesus has performed the miracle of, of feeding the 5,000, and now we're going to get into the spiritual lesson that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to us and to the people that there that He was, at this time, that He was talking to. John chapter 6, verse 30 through 35, it says this, the people asking, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. I'm going to take just the next few moments, and I want to tell you about the bread of life that is available to each and every one of you today. Jesus and these people bring up about the fact of, of manna. And we read about that in Exodus chapter 16. Moses and Aaron had led the people out of Egypt and they'd just been out two or three days and they you know, got out of the Red Sea and they're in, this, they're in this wilderness and the people start grumbling. We're hungry. We're hungry. We don't have anything to eat. We need something to eat. Oh, I wish Moses, you would have just left us in Egypt. At least there our bellies were full. We had a miserable life, but at least we're not going to, you brought us out here to, to starve us to death. And God says, tells Moses, they're not grumbling against you, they're grumbling against me. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give them quail and manna. Quail in the evening and manna in the morning. So the people wake up that next morning and they find manna. They didn't know what it was. That's where they got the name. What is this? They find this manna. And I want to tell you something. In this manna, we see a beautiful picture about the bread of life. Several things that we could say, and I want to just mention three or four of them here kind of quickly, about when Jesus is talking here about really being the bread of life, and they talk about manna, think about some of the characteristics of manna. First of all, manna was white in its color, which represents Jesus' purity. Jesus was virgin born, a sinless son of God. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign, See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, Peter says, He, talking about Jesus, did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. This is the bread of life. He is absolutely pure. 
second thing that we find about manna is that it was round. It was little, little round, I was going to say crackers, but most of us think of crackers being square. It's a rich cracker. Yeah, it was round, which signified that Jesus has no beginning or no end. He's eternal. Folks, we celebrate Christmas, and it's wonderful, His incarnation, but I want to tell you something. According to John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is eternal. Jesus has no beginning. He certainly has no end. There's never been a time when there was not Jesus. In John chapter 8, He reminds them and tells you that He told the uh, people that He was talking to, He said, Before Abraham was... I am the bread of life. He was, it was white, signifying His purity. It was round, signifying His eternal being. Third thing that I would tell you about this man is that it had a sweet taste. It was sweet, which represents the satisfaction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. first one who had an encounter with Jesus that repented of their sins and trusted in him who was not fully satisfied. Every person liked that manna. They all ate it every day for years. Jesus satisfies the hunger of your soul. He is the only one that can really satisfy the hunger of your heart. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The manna was sweet. It was satisfying to the taste. It was satisfying to their, to their bodies. It, it gave them the nutrition, the nutrients that they needed to be able to go to work and to uh, do the things that they had to do. The last thing, and I want to talk just for a moment about this, about this man. It was, it was white, it was round, it was sweet, it was sufficient. Folks, for about 40 years, they had manna every morning. And it says in the Bible, next to 16, it didn't matter if they gathered a lot, they didn't have any left over, or the people that had gathered maybe just a little bit, they didn't lack. There was always enough manna. And I want to tell you that the bread of life is always sufficient. No matter what guilty sin you may think you're, that you've committed, no matter how far away you think you are from, from God or from being able to be forgiven, I want to tell you that the bread of life is sufficient for what every, for what every hungry heart needs and desires can be found in the bread of life. It's sufficient. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 47, it says, Truly, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. Sufficient for the entire world. You know, when Jesus says there, I am the bread of life, you know what He's saying? To those that believe on Him, wherever you're at, whatever phase of life, whatever difficulty, whatever thing that you're, whatever problem that you're encountering, whatever need that you have, I'll be there. I'll be there. You know, the, the, the nation of Israel, was, they wandered around. That manna was everywhere that they went. 
I will be there. I am, not was. I, I, I am the bread of life. Wherever that you are hungry at, I want you to know that I will be there. Well, let me ask you something. I said at the beginning, I hope that this would be able to be a, a picture of the gospel of, of, of God's grace and our faith. Think about it just for a few moments. The nation of Israel and this manna, God graciously gave them that. It says that, that God gave them that bread. They, they didn't earn that. They didn't, God gave it to them out of His grace, out of His mercy, and out of His compassion for them. He gave them this bread every single day. He gave it to them. Gave it to them. That was God's grace. You know all they had to do? They just had to go receive it. They didn't have to labor or toil or sow some kind of a seed or do anything. All they had to do was to get up and receive that manna. Gather it. Folks, I want to tell you, the bread of life is available for you through God's grace. Not of any good things that we have done, but because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's, the, that's God's grace. What we do with God's grace, our, our responsibility is just our faith, our, our response to Him. God's provided the grace. God's provided the bread. For every hungry heart, it's sufficient. It's absolutely perfect. And I will guarantee you, based on the authority of God's Word, that the bread of life will satisfy your heart, your soul. Guarantee it. Not because I said it, because God said so. God said it. So this morning, as we prepare an invitation just in a moment, I want to ask you something. Are you hungry spiritually? Has your, have you turned to the bread of life and only Him? It's been a time in your life where you trust Him, but I want to ask you this. Are you trusting Him today? There may be a, a season of life that you're going through where you're really going through a spiritual struggle or a spiritual drought, we might say. Jesus is reminding you today, I am the bread of life. Wherever you are, I am. I'll be there. I will be there for you. God has made His grace available. Always asking now is for hearts, for people to repent of sin and to turn and forsake all to turn their life and say, I'm going to be like this little boy. What I'm going to give all, I, all I've got. I'm going to give it to the hands of Jesus. That's all, that, that's all He did. And when He gave it to Jesus, you know what? What a blessing. A miracle took place. Folks, I want to tell you that, that when a person comes to faith in Christ, repenting of their sins, and they accept and God's grace and spirit and mercy just pours out on their heart, and a person is saved this morning, and I want to tell you something, it's a, it's a miracle. God has worked a miracle. He, he, here He did it physically. But I want to tell you what's most important is a, this, you need to have that spiritual hunger in your life. You need to have it met. And it can only be met through the bread of life the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to uh, sing a invitation hymn. I'd like for you to stand and with every head bowed just for a moment. As Brother Devin and the ladies get a, a hymn ready, and as the ushers come, you know the Book of Isaiah tells us this: Why do you spend silver on what is not food? and your wages on what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods.
maybe here this morning you're tired of spending your effort and your energy on things that cannot truly satisfy. And this morning you'd like to come and to give your heart to Christ. You'd like to say, Lord, I've, I've tried so many different things. I've, put, I've ignored it. I've, I've tried to turn, a, uh, turn my, get it out of sight, out of mind. I've tried lots of different solutions. Today I just want to turn it over to you. I want to be like this little boy. I just want to give you what I've got. It ain't, it's not much, Lord. It's just me. I'm a lost sinner in needing of food. Maybe you'd like to come during this invitation. We'd encourage you to do that. Maybe you'd like to come to the altar for prayer. Brother Corey will be here to receive you and to pray with you, to counsel with you, and I know he would love to do that. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Best day, best chance, best opportunity you've ever had to give your heart to Christ is right now. It's today. Father, I pray, God, that you would take these next few moments and bless this invitation, that you would continue to speak to hearts and that your word would penetrate and that it would fall, fall upon faithful hearts and minds. That God, that uh, through everything that's done, that you would receive honor and praise. In the name of Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.